Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bills and Bengals Sunday in the divisional round. Third game of the four this weekend. 18th. Hang on. 14th Bills divisional round game. (laughs) Sorry. 14th Bills divisional round game. The first ever playoff game was in the divisional round. 1963, War Memorial Stadium. The Bills and Patriots tied for first place in the AFL East. The format was the top two teams would meet anyway, so they met, and the game was here. And the Patriots won it 26-8. to Great score. And now joining us on the Western Hotline for a report on that game, who called it for NBC Sports Radio, is our Paul Hamilton. <laughs> Paul? <laughs> I'm like, is it a, a Paul joke or a Howard joke? It was a, a Howard, Howard joke, joke or a Paul it was a joke. Howard, it was a Howard joke for Paul is what that was. Sorry. Go ahead. Loved it. So the Patriots won it. The Bills' only touchdown, their first ever playoff touchdown, was a 93-yard pass from Daryl LaMonica to Albert Dubenyan. LaMonica was also the Bills' punter in this game. Gino Capaletti, four for 109 mm-hmm. receiving and four field goals for Boston. In that game. First ever playoff game by the Bills was a divisional round game. Last year in Kansas City is uh, just a bitter pill on this list of divisional round games. Some beauties in the 90s, maybe most of all that win over Miami in the snow after the 1990 season. Bills had won the AFC East. And their last win in this round was two years ago against the Ravens, Sal. How do you remember that night? Like I'm seeing on Channel 2, they're showing Hmm. this is the first full stadium at home in the divisional round since the 90s. I mean, that was a super important win and a very tense game with Baltimore. But the fact that the crowd was, what, ten or 12,000 people, whatever that was, must have made it, uh, obviously, it was unusual and maybe memorable because of it. For sure. It was a special night in the stadium. Um, It was cold. It's a big, you know, Ravens come in, all the talk all week, Lamar and, you know, him running the ball. I remember that leading up. You know, I couldn't be on the sidelines. I had to be in the moat, if you will. I had to be in the stadium. I had to be in the stands right. myself. Right. Right. So it was COVID-19 year. And even though they had fans all year, I was at the games, but there were no fans. And I would stand and kind of walk wherever I wanted. This was kind of, it was different because there were fans, but you couldn't be in like the first whatever row. So I kind of had that to myself, if you will. But the other part of it, this is what I remember. I always tell you guys the story about the Taron Johnson pick six. And I'm in the stands, basically in the corner of the end zone, watching that play come at me, if you will. And um, he catches it. And then all of a sudden I see, oh, my gosh, like this could happen. And and I, I kind of ran down the, the aisle of, of, the, uh, of the stadium, running kind of with him, watching – all, everything in front of me, and as I said, that's kind of the first time in my life I've really ever experienced something going in slow motion. It, it seemed like it was just happening in slow motion with the fans in front of me cheering and tearing and knowing he was going to get to the end zone. He went over 100 yards, and it was just all happening. And then just 
the elation in the stadium of people hugging each other and kind of knowing, oh, my God, we're going to do this. Now, there was still some football to be played. Yep. And, you know, the, there was a big pass that the Ravens missed later in that game that could have really made a difference, but they never really challenged to win it. And then Lamar got hurt. But that was the moment, I think, that everyone said, oh, my God, like this is happening. And it just became really an unbelievable scene to kind of see that and be a part of that. I remember watching the highlight from, you know, in, in the stadium and just how loud it seemed. I think it was 6,700 was the, was the number oh. of tickets for some reason I have in my head. I, I might be wrong on that, but when you said 10 or 12, I, I 6,700 popped into my head. Anyway, whatever it was, you know, the stadium was you know, just not you know, anywhere near capacity, but it, it sounded like there was a full house in there on that play. Absolutely. If you guys remember, the the Ravens had a couple false starts down in the, not even the tunnel end zone, it was the other end zone because of the crowd. And it sounded, and even if you go back and watch the broadcast, I think it was Chris Collinsworth who said, oh my God, like this crowd is so loud and they're making it tough on them. It was super cool, super cool to be inside the stadium that night and just know that they're going to the AFC Championship. And you know what lied ahead, you know, you know how good Kansas City was, but uh, I, I'll always remember that night. That was a special night, and you know, being in that stadium. And like I said, I think the cool part was me being actually in the actual stands to kind of be a part of the crowd when all that was happening was was really interesting. Sixty-seven, seventy-two. Right, good job. Just looked it up. Wow. I I uh, I'd forgotten about the moat. I like that. <laughs> the moat, right? <laughs> me too. I forgot about that too. Sal, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but sort of the vibe online today was how the Bills have doubters. Uh, the point about Allen and the article that was written or articles that were written and just we're talking to Ross Tucker. Ross is like their biggest fan. It, you know, we, we have him on every week and he's like, I don't think they're going to win it because there'll be one bad turnover game in there against these three in these three games, he thinks. That was, that was his guess. They have doubters. The numbers and the, the biting odds and everything still pretty much love the Bills as much as ever. So that's been an interesting dichotomy, if you will. Yeah, but it goes back to what we said earlier. I mean, Ross Tucker is one of the guys that is saying, like a lot of people, well, they've just been living life on the edge too much. And the longer you go in the playoffs, you're going to be playing better teams. And you can't keep living life on the edge. And these turnovers are going to wind up eventually hurting you. And that could very well happen. But the way they play, they're also good enough to beat you and play, taking those risks and even overcoming those risks. So um, I like the fact that, like you said, it even seems like, I guess I read this, Mike, sharp money was on the bills, public money on the Bengals. That's always kind of a way to, I look like to look at it too. And like, okay, well, if that sharp money came in early, um, you know, that that's a good sign, but we'll see the weather. I don't, I don't think is going to play a factor. It might be a little wet. Going to have some light snow, but Pat Hammer told us today that, you know, could be a little bit of um, a little bit of mix of precip in there. It's not going to be something super hard. It'll be light, but that could be the difference. And that can go for both teams, by the way. It doesn't have to be the Bills. It could be Josh Allen and a turnover. It also could be the other team putting the ball on the carpet because it's a little wet. So, you know, those things can happen during a game for any team. There's no, no rule saying the Bills are the only team that can turn the ball over here, by the way. You know, I mean, they can try to get after it and force the Bengals to turn the ball over. Right. <laughs> hey, Sal, Isaiah McKenzie is back like off the injury report yeah. right um what do you think what's your guess as to what the role will be i think the bills have maybe a little bit of an edge here in how mckenzie and shakir and beasley are all different from each other and could mm-hmm. either one of them any one of them could en- end up being like the primary in the slot here right yes uh i would 
my my guess looking at it right now is you know they've elevated John Brown they did it again last week you don't have to elevate Cole Beasley he's already on the active roster and I think there's a reason for that that he's going to play so you got Diggs you got Davis I think McKenzie Shakir and Beasley are all going to play the question is do you want to go with a sixth wide receiver and that would be John Brown that could be Jamison Crowder by the way but that might get a little bit crowded I know that you know, as Joe as Joe said today, no pun intended, using Crowder's name for that, Joe. but it could in the slot. Um, I just wonder, I don't know if this is a game where you have to have a guy like John Brown, because going back to what we said earlier, you yeah. knew Miami was going to play a little more risky, one-on-one, blitzing, let's take a shot. I don't know if you're going to get those opportunities. So what purpose then does John Brown serve? Maybe you get a shot here or there, but most likely you're going to probably work underneath stuff. Now you have a full complement, McKenzie, Shakir, Beasley. You can use all of them. So five wide receivers to me sounds about right. And then you look where they're banged up, what you might get elevated. You got two defensive tackles that are questionable. Mm-hmm. Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips. Well, they elevated Elianku last week. You still got Brandon Bryant and Cortez Broughton on the, um, on the practice squad as well. So that's probably somewhere where they would at least elevate one player. Well, that's a good point about the middle of the field and John Brown. Um, it because if you know, it sort of works in concert with what I was saying earlier. You know, in response to some of the criticism of Allen for chucking it down the field so much against Miami. You know, coverage tells you what to do, and if this coverage tells you to like take the underneath stuff, then maybe Shakir is someone like we were talking before you joined us, Sal. Like. How do you put the puzzle together there? Our, our Beasley, McKenzie, and Shakir is is three of them kind of redundant, and maybe not. Maybe, maybe you'd want to have your full complement of guys that play in that area more so than worry about stretching out on the outside. <coughs> yeah, and by the way, I just went back and watched. So I finally was able to, I didn't realize, I guess, the, the game that was, was halted is on YouTube, most of it. They, they, it's a little choppy, but it goes play to play. And that's exactly what the Bills did. The Bills start off the game with a throw to Stephon Diggs about eight yards downfield to the outside. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, there's another one to Gabe Davis about maybe eight yards on a hook pattern. Uh, they ran the ball. Josh Allen had a couple design runs. They threw a ball to um, Reggie Gilliam to get down around the 10-yard line. That's where they stalled. But that was what they did. They didn't um, They 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 didn't try to push the ball downfield. Jo- and, and if you watch it, there's a lot of separation. Like They, mm-hmm. they had open receivers doing that. Sal, the uh, playoffs get going, of course, tomorrow with Jacksonville at Kansas City. Last night I talked myself into Jacksonville a little bit. Nine-point underdog, but the different ways that Trevor Lawrence can operate, different weapons, uh, and he really took a step after a terrible first half. I also like for this just sort of the point that turnovers are so random, and maybe that's an easy (laughs) – I know how this can sound, but maybe that's a much easier win if he doesn't throw four interceptions in the first half. Mm -hmm. Um, DVOA is not kind on Jacksonville's pass defense, and it's Patrick Mahomes. What do you think? Hmm. I like to say a puncher's chance, right? That's what it is. A puncher is – you know, you might get bloodied and beaten up, but you get that one shot. You get that one shot in, and maybe you can knock him out. And I I think it's – to me, it, it is actually similar to the Dolphins against the Bills last week, which is there's going to be a time or two where Jacksonville's going to have a have a punch and they're going to have a shot. Can they make the most of it? Like Jacksonville did against Tennessee. Much different team, obviously, they're facing. But remember, late in that game when they had everything on the line and they had that turnover and it turned into a six, right? It turned into a touchdown. Um, that, that, that's, they have to make a play like that. Somewhere along the line, Jacksonville has to make a play. 
and maybe that can turn everything. Otherwise, I think they're in trouble. They got to turn the ball over. They got to steal a possession. They have to do something like that. Doug Peterson tried an onside kick the last time they played. He knows it. He knows they got to do that. Maybe they have to go for a couple fourth downs. Maybe they have to go for two if they score. Um, I, I do think they have the the capability on defense to do that. By the way, they're they're a pretty good defense. They're solid. You know, Josh Allen. They have a nice front. Um, so I think they have the capabilities. And Kansas City's pass defense, you can move the ball on them. Um, I, I think that, you know, this might come down to if Trevor Lawrence can rise up in the moment. This isn't going to be the Chargers, I think, giving up a big lead. You know, he was not good in that first half. Um, I, I think if they're like that again, well, then again, last time they did come back a little bit on Kansas City. But I think they have a chance here at least to make some plays. They're going to have to be aggressive and try to call their shots when they happen and convert on those shots. Maybe talk NFC here in the short time we have left with Sal Capaccio on the Duntire Roundtable. Mike Shope and the Bulldog here. We'll be right back. This is WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 